You're listening to the sound of my voice. Hello, everybody. My name is D'Angelo Valentine, and this is the Unplugged Podcast. And today, I have a very special guest in the building. I have Barry Moore Richardson, and he's going to bring some golden nuggets today. We're talking about the fit. I, I called today's episode Fit in Business because you're going to talk about fitness and you're going to talk about the fitness business. Yep. Right. Yep. And it's very important to know, especially with fitness and especially in the time that we're in right now. Yep. Is like you've seen a lot of people gaining weight, yep. not doing anything with their, well, their well, body. You know, there's COVID-19 and there's COVID-50. Oh, you know, God. COVID-50 is what people are going to gain over the past year. As a matter of fact, I met someone who said uh, in the year he gained 60 pounds. Oh, my gosh. So it's it's no joke. I mean, it's, it's a situation that has to be taken seriously. And also, you know, um, excess weight mm-hmm. is, is the is the friend of COVID-19. Oh, man. So. Wow. Wow. Know, we got to get after it. Yeah. So. Barrymore, yeah. tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, like your experience, and also like how did you get into the business in the in in the midst of all of it. In the midst of all, of yeah. This. Well, let me go back in time. I don't know how much time you got, but anyway, I got a lot of time. <laughs> it's unplugged. Yeah, this is this is it. Well, you know, I discovered at the age of fifteen that fitness was the fountain of youth, and uh, how that happened was, I walked into a gym. I came to Canada from the Caribbean island of Antigua. Um, Walked into a gym within a couple of months of being here with a friend of mine from high school and saw a gentleman, a, a, a gentleman who was actually from the Caribbean, who looked like a, a, a bronze Adonis. And I knew at the time he was about 47 years old. And at 15, I said, when I get to be that age, I want to look like that. And um, he was my uh, initial inspiration when I came to Canada. And uh, what's really interesting is, as a, as a kid, I remember in Antigua, um, they held a bodybuilding competition at my school. Obviously, as a kid and coming from a family that was not well-to-do, tickets were not an option. So I actually uh, went to the venue and opened slightly one of the windows and was able to see a man who looked like a Greek god on the stage. And I, and I said, wow. That was my first taste of wanting to be like that. And obviously, my, so was my dad. Was a, my dad was a bit of a bodybuilder himself as well. So I'd always been around people who had decent physiques and, 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 and realized also that these people were different in that they were always, most of them were always positive. People looked at them for advice. They were almost motivational. And so it seemed as if it went hand in hand that healthier, fit, fitter people are also um, positive role models in so many ways. And so that was my first taste of it. And what's ironic is that gentleman that I saw on that stage, uh, I think it was 1970, I'm going to date myself now, 1978-ish, that I saw this, 78, 79. Um, I was able to go back to Antigua in 1996, looked him up, and went to visit him. And the man was still in phenomenal shape at that time. He was 60 years old. Whoa. And, him, and him and his son worked out together. And if you saw them walking down the street, you would say, brothers, not father and son. Whoa. So <laughs> I went to him and, you know, I told him straight up, because he looked at me and went, man, you're a big guy, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, 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 you don't understand. You started this, you know. <laughs> wow. And uh, it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool moment. 
Wow. That's that's an amazing story. Yeah. That's an, yeah. I, the reason why I didn't ask you for your bio, because I knew you had a story <laughs> to this bio. So what I'm doing a little bit with this season is like I want people to tell a little bit about their story and how yeah. they came into what they're yeah. doing. And I know yours was an interesting story. Yeah. When I talked with you a yeah. few weeks ago, and yeah. I'm like, Mm-mm, don't need this guy's bio. <laughs> he's got to tell he's got to tell what happened, yeah. what motivated him to be him. Yeah. So the first part we're going to be focusing on fitness. Yep. So my first question, why being fit and healthy is important. How does physical health relate to the mind? Interesting. Uh, you know, here's the deal. Uh, a tap on fitness. Um, our why covers the answer to the question. We believe health and wellness is at the core of living a full and contented life. And no matter which way you slice it, you know, initially people always look at those who have better physiques and think he or she thinks they are all that in a bag of chips. The reality is the amount of work and dedication and discipline and commitment that it takes to getting into that kind of shape. Um, you actually just have to just, I'm not saying bow your, you know, bow it out to them, but man, you got to respect it because they still on top of doing that, they have so much more going on in their lives, families, jobs, etc. that there's a whole lot of responsibility. And some of them have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and do that workout at that time because that's the only free time they have, but it's a commitment to make to themselves. And I say that what happens with, with a lot of people who are into fitness and weight training specifically, there is something that it does to the brain. It's not about the, the muscles that you see that get developed. It's the muscles that you don't see, the mental toughness, like I mentioned, the discipline, uh, just being able to stick to it. And when you can do that in that aspect of your life, it trickles over into everything else. And I'll say this to people who will think that those who spend time, a lot of time in the gym are selfish. Actually, they're being selfish but selfless because the better they are, the better they can be for their families and their friends. So when you're your best self, my gosh, the people who benefit beyond yourself are exponential. So there's no downside to to making an effort to getting yourself into better shape. And if there are those around you who are going to discourage you, you need to find new friends because they should only be trying to encourage you and if anything, be inspired by you and join you on that journey. What are five benefits of being fit? <laughs> it could be any five, but like, give me a strong here, here, five. Here, here's one of the most interesting things that I have discovered from, and don't get me wrong, I have been the fit fat guy as well. Let me just be clear. As a trainer, we are not perfect. We have our moments when excess weight comes to us because you know we're, we're overeating ourselves and, and stuff like that because you cannot... Um, you can't train your way out of a bad eating program, no matter what you do. So you're going to the gym, you're working out hard. If you're not disciplined from a food standpoint, portion control, time between meals, et cetera, you know, benefits. Here, here it is. Honestly, I believe that being fit or being in a journey to being fit prepares you mentally for the stuff that happens outside in everyday life. Um, when you get under a bench press, when you get under a squat rack, when you get over to do a deadlift and that weight is telling you I'm not moving and then you got to you gotta figure out mentally and physically how to get that done. I think the mental toughness of weight training, especially weight training, I'm not uh, despising any, any other fitness program because every fitness program, you have runners that will tell you there's a runner's high that happens when they're running that allows them when they're in the other aspects of their lives to endure and, and, and get through stuff that not having that in their lives would not have enabled them to do so. The other thing is as well, 
is I think people look at you differently when you walk into the room. And they actually will listen to you a little bit more just because they figure if someone who looks like that and if they, for, you know, just about everyone knows that if you look like that, you obviously spend a lot of time doing it. So there's something about that. And also, like for myself as an entrepreneur, when I walk into a boardroom full of uh, venture capitalists, and it, it is very interesting, you know, initially I can tell you a quick little side story of having a person who is now my CFO when I first met him. Uh, I think he thought here was just here comes another personal trainer who's just trying to open up a gym. And him and his business partner at the time sat me down. And I'm not going to say interrogated, but man, they peppered me with questions about the fitness industry. And they were quite surprised pleasantly, uh, I find out after that. I knew the history of the game from how Good Life started to how this other company started, what the numbers are that these companies are doing, you know, and they were like, wow, wait a minute, this is not just a personal trainer. So I think it gets you in the door in certain aspects for certain things. And let's talk about the personal aspect. Come on, the fitter you are, you're going to attract a lot of the opposite sex or same sex or whatever persuasion you're into, because generally speaking, no matter what people say, they can comment on maybe the size of muscles. But most people like to see a fit, conditioned physique. Maybe if it's overbearing, like a Mr. Olympia-type muscularity, fine. But generally speaking, uh, humankind has an appreciation for a fit physique. And I can tell you, uh, I remember going to India. And I know, you're going to say, India? Yeah, going to India. And one of the first things I wanted to make sure, it was a business trip, I wanted to make sure of was where was the closest gym. Because that's always my thing. Where is the closest gym to wherever I'm staying when I travel? Because if the gym ain't close, I'm not staying there, right? And walking down the street in New Delhi and uh, going to the gym and the look that people gave me, it was, it was crazy. And then I went to, it was during Diwali, and I remember going on a camel ride into the desert and there were about 1,999 Indian people and one black man. <laughs> and... Uh, and we get into the desert, and I, I have a rough, minuscule idea of what it's like to be a celebrity because there was constant, can we take our picture with you, and this and that. And my skin color didn't matter. What, what, was, what, what, what was impressive to them was my physique and them wanting to touch it, pose with it. Can you show me a bicep curl? I mean, you know, and that, again, is just telling you that universally, we have an appreciation for great physiques, hence the reason why we, we're, I just love watching the 100-meter sprint in the Olympics, right? Because you see what physiques are like when they're at the top of their game if people put in the time and the work. And so that's basically it. Oh, let me, let me just also say, there are some health benefits. Obviously, yeah. if you're in decent shape, in yeah. most cases, you got your blood sugar right, your blood pressure is right, yeah. you know, all of those kinds of things. So there are some medical benefits as well, so we don't mm -hmm. want to leave that out. That exactly, and then it leads also to talking about diet and nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, you were mentioning the point of talking about like you know, yeah, you can work out yep. however the heck you want, mm -hmm. but you can't work your way out of a bad diet, right? Well, well, well let me just address something. And, and being we're both from the Caribbean, mm -hmm. I, and, and oh, I love, I love my Caribbean takeout places. I do, but 
And it's not even their fault. I mean, they give us enough rice in one serving to last a week of what rice you need to eat in one large. And I'm being facetious, obviously, but at least in a large serving of any place you go for takeout, the dish is always real heavy. The container is really heavy because it's loaded with rice. And it probably has, all kidding aside, probably three to five servings of what is acceptable for what you should be having in one sitting. And we finish it in one sitting. So in other words, in that one meal, we're having five. Okay? And then we wonder why our stomachs expand. Right? We've got to be cognizant of portion control. And don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not standing in the soapbox. Trust in me. I have been known to be overdosing on my portion controls. And I have decided that enough is enough. Um, and so I most recently started my own program. But the deal is that the ideal meal should not exceed about 500 calories. The ideal one's sitting five, 600 calories at best. And in most cases, when we're going to these places and we're grabbing that large meal, it is probably in the 1,200, 1,400 calorie range, if not more. And if your daily intake should be in about the 20, 2,500 mark of calories, and you're having that in one sitting, and Lord knows you're not having just one meal that day, it's not hard for us to be, you know, taking in three, 4,000 calories. And that's not, if you're going to the gym and you're taking in three, 4,000 calories, you're going to burn that off between an hour on a treadmill and your weight training program. So you, you're fine. But if you're talking about someone who does not work out at all and they're taking in uh, four, 5,000 calories a day without knowing it, 3,500 calories is one pound, just to put it in perspective. So if you're taking in 3,500, if you're taking in 5,000 calories, and you are not doing anything to burn off a significant portion of that. That means it's not hard for you to be walking around and before you blink, you know, one pound turns to two. And you know, like I said, COVID-19, and then there's going to be COVID-30, 40, 50, 60 pounds gained in the year. And I do believe that when, when the vaccine situation, when all of this settles down, and it will, the fitness industry is literally going to explode because people are going to be running to the gym to get back themselves, get themselves back in the shape because that year, year and a half has been a, a terrible situation for health and wellness and they're going to want to get it back. So, you know, I, I just think that um, we've got to be cognizant of, you know, vegetables, for example. We go to these restaurants, we're getting basically no, no greens on the plate. We're getting rice, we're getting the protein and then we're getting some, some cut up um, grated cabbage and carrot in a, in a portion that's so infinitesimal it's not even making any impact into the digestive system, right? We have got to become more conscientious because there's a myth among us called being big boned. And all I'm going to say to you is, have you ever, Daniel, have you ever seen a fat skeleton? No. I all right. Not. So that tells you right there, big boned is a myth that needs to be quashed from now. Let's just call a spade a spade. If you're fat, you're fat. That's all I gotta say. So now there is the diet portion, and mm -hmm. then we're, now we're talking about physical fitness. Mm -hmm. How much physical fitness does an average person need? In my opinion, if you want to make an impact on your physique, two things you need to do. Don't go by someone who's on YouTube. Don't go by someone who's on Instagram. Hire yourself an expert, just like you go to the mechanic to fix your car for an extended period of time. Hire yourself a reputable professional 
Because what they will do for you, they will shorten the cycle of the journey as far as getting yourself to where you want to get to. And people will say, well, yeah, you're in the business, so you're just trying to make the money. I don't care if you come to me. I'm simply saying that in order to take all of the guessing out of it, to get a very precise, they say the shortest point from point A to B is in a straight line. When people are trying to do it on their own, especially when they don't have the knowledge, right? What ends up happening is you go zigzagging your way, guessing your way, and you become discouraged because you're going to say you're not, you're not genetically inclined, um, all kinds of reasons why not. If you get an expert to show you the way, you're going to find yourself, you know, within six months making significant impact with your physique that you didn't think was possible. And you may find yourself after that saying, if, that, if I can do this in six months with this trainer, oh my gosh, what would another six months do, right? And don't do it for the wedding, the reunion, the vacation. Do it for life. Make, it, make some lifestyle changes because the same stuff you have to do to get into shape are the same things you have to do to stay in shape. There's no such thing as I'm going to do this for six months, lose 30 pounds, and then go back to the old habits that are going to cause you to gain the 30 pounds back. You've got to say, okay, you know, I'm not going to have that stuff at, at nighttime, that ice cream or whatever the case may be, because those are the contributing factors that got you to the 30, 40, 50 pound excess in the first place. So why are you going to go back to it? I was in the personal training business as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And I explained that to some folks. It's like, yeah, it's not, you can't just do it and then just yeah, be yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. you know what no, I no. mean? Or uh, my favorite one. Yeah. A client will come and sit down and he'll say, oh, I just want to be toned. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and, and let me go back to your question. So yeah. in order to make a real impact on the physique, you need to be in the gym, I would say, three to four times a week. Mm -hmm. Strength training of about uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to be doing another, I would say, half an hour, 45 minutes to an hour of treadmill work, step mill work, uh, elliptical work, whatever. But you have to combine the two. And then, of course, it's triangular effect. You've got to get on top of your food game. Like, you've got, to, you've got to really, really do it. And the thing is, the science is out there for all to see, from in intermittent fasting to all kinds of avenues of which to understand how food will relate to you. And it is not a cultural situation as far as the effects, intermittent fasting affects black people one way and other people another. No, 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 no. We're human beings. We bleed blood. We have organs. We have muscles of the same makeup. If you take this approach, this is the result you're going to get. And we've got to really take it seriously. You know, at our facility, you know, we, we, we look at it this way. So the whys, we believe in the health and wellness being at the core of living a full and contented life. And then the how that we do it is that we say, hey, look, we're going to contribute to the to the contented life by providing an environment that is rich in inspiration, education, and coaching. That's why I talk about it. And we use physical and endurance tools to push limits of strength and mental capabilities, right? So again, I go back to the mental side. Again, with COVID-19 and what has happened, fitness helps the brain, never mind the muscles that you can't see. And I want to really stress that because I've had conversations with people who have said to me, when the gyms close, they have a problem psychologically because it's the, it's the one balancing tool to keep them stable, to keep them focused, to keep them on top of their game. And, and when you take that away from them, you see, we've taken going to the gym for granted for so long. 
And all of a sudden, here comes a year, year and a half. We can't go to the gym. I had a conversation with a man the other day. He said his anger has gone through the roof because he can't go to the gym, you know, and the anxiety, like there's so many things, you know, people don't realize what the gym does. The gym is so much more than just a place that you build muscles. It's a, if done right, the gyms can be a great community hub. Uh, like a, it can be a, a house of inspiration and motivation. And, and I don't care how much virtual fitness is going on and all this online training and, and all this YouTube guys and all this kind of stuff. Nothing replaces the exchange of human beings being in a fitness center all on their own respective journeys, but in unison. Nothing replaces that um, anywhere. No Peloton bike, nothing replaces that. And when we get back to the gym, and gym's being wide open and everyone's in a better state, I just hope that... um, we really start to not take it for granted and get our butts there as opposed to saying, I'll get there next month, I'll get there two months from now because it could be gone. And what it does is, I honestly believe those of us who have been consistently in the gym with this um, situation are faring better than those who, who have not been able to get to the gym because psychologically, you just feel a little bit stronger. You look at the, the situation with COVID-19 a little different and we'll get into that a little bit from the business perspective. But, um, you know, it's an amazing opportunity. And I say get into the gym, get a membership, get a trainer, get a trainer, guys. Again, this is not me endorsing my business. This is me saying if you really want to get yourself in shape, get yourself. We get coaches for basketball. We get coaches for soccer. You know, like I said, we go to the mechanic to fix our cars, right? Why not get a coach to get you into the best shape of your life? And understand that the knowledge you get is knowledge that you get to retain and take with you long after that relationship ends. So why not? I like how you, you finished off that point because now it's gonna lead into talking about the business. <laughs> you you yeah. are well prepared for this one. You are well, well prepared for you this know what? one. Here's the deal. I'll yeah. tell you, I'll tell you my philosophy and, and what I do. If you're really into your craft, someone should be able to come into your room at two o'clock in the morning, wake you up pepper you with questions about that subject matter and you'll be ready. Like you can wake out of bed, out of sleep mm-hmm. and be ready. Mm-hmm. That's when you know you're into your craft. Mm-hmm. Not, I need a coffee, give me a couple minutes to clear my head. Yeah. It should be so in you, it's like the oxygen, you, the air you breathe. Yeah. You know, so, you know, this for me, mm-hmm. and again, guys, I, I appreciate D'Angelo giving me this, this voice, this platform. Um, much appreciated, bro. And, and honestly, you know, I because I live this every day, you can catch me anytime and ask me these questions and I'm ready. So now it leads into talking about the fitness business. Yep. And especially in the time that we're in, mm-hmm. how profitable is a gym, especially when we're in the middle of a <laughs> pandemic? What are the expenses? Like, I, I don't know how you took this risk, but you just went with it. And then, and then so... My friend Dre, yeah, it, like he said, yeah, yeah, I'm going to the gym. I'm like, what gym is open right now? And then I find out your gym was open, and I'm like, okay, I gotta come and see this and experience it for myself. And I came in, oh. I had a great time, you know, and it was just like I got to meet you and talk with you and yeah. then get you on the platform. But yeah. it's like I want to know how how did you well, do well, it? Well, let me go. Let me do a little history. So this is not my first rodeo in in the ownership space. And um, just like investment, 
you don't do it for now. You do it for the next, for the future. So, you know, I, I tell people GM and General Electric were formed during the Great Depression. We know who those corporations are today. And we've known of them for years. So the reality is, you've got to be ready for the opportunity. You know, people always ask me the question, Barrymore, are you ready? And I say, I was born ready. And at first they look at me and think I'm, I'm being facetious. I'm trying to act like a tough guy, whatever, whatever. No, you've got to be ready. Just like when you, you know, when there's a fire, the fire guys, the guys in the fire hall, they, they're ready. They, 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 they have, the, you ever watch how they have their, their pants and their boots all together. So they literally jump into the boots, into the pants, pull the pants up. When, within seconds, they're, they're out of the fire hall because they're trained to be ready. I like to think that that's what happened to me with respect to this business. So, you know, we had, um, and, I, and I've, you know, done a lot of traveling to raise capital on the whole nine, and that's another show unto itself because if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're not going to get used to hearing no and not take it personally, don't become an entrepreneur. You've got to have the skin of an elephant because you're going to get more no's and more failure than successes. It's just that people will hear about your successes and think that's all you've ever had. Meanwhile, back at the farm, I could tell you stories. I've been in the fitness game a long time. I mean, like I said, I started working out when I was about 15, 16 years old. And realized um, my, my high school yearbook at 17 says fitness expert entrepreneur at 17. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I recently reconnected with a bunch of guys that I went to high school with. And it turns out I'm probably one of the only guys that's doing exactly what he said he was going to do back then. That's doing it. That's been doing it. You know, maybe there's a couple of other guys that were in acting and comedian and stuff like that. But the reality is, with respect to this particular opportunity, Tap Out Fitness is a, is a brand that's connected to the WWE connected to um, the same company that owns Tap Out Fitness is the same company that purchased Sports Illustrated about 18 months ago. Uh, they own the rights to Shaquille O'Neal. They own the rights to Muhammad Ali. And I can go down the list of brands that you're familiar with that they own the rights to, Marilyn Monroe, another one. And so what happened was, um, as someone who's been in the game a long time, I had been in the process of launching another private chain of my own. It was called the Longevity Club. We were going to launch it in the U.S. And, and grow it from there. And just for the record, I am from Toronto, <laughs> so I'm not an American. Um, but I've done a lot of business all over the world. And so, you know, traveling for me and, 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 and made a lot of connections globally in the fitness space. So I get phone calls from all over the place about different opportunities. And so that's what happened here. I got a phone call um, telling me about Tap Out Fitness. And the individual who should have known better said, so maybe you might want to open up one in Toronto. And I said, uh, no, no, I want a region. I want a territory. I want the country of Canada. I want the Caribbean, and I want Los Angeles. Now, Los Angeles was just a throw, and I, meant I didn't really plan on doing any business in Los Angeles because Los Angeles is the most litigious um, state in the union, meaning they sue you for anything in Los Angeles. If your parking spot's an inch and a half too wide, somebody will roll up, measure that, and sue you. It's just that ridiculous. So Los Angeles was just a throw in. The reality is, I looked at the landscape of the fitness industry in Canada, and as far as I've been quoted as saying, it's been so vanilla for so long, meaning nothing really interesting happening, you know. You know, you got the GLs and the LAFs, great, great companies. Uh, I'm not bashing them, but they offer pretty much the same thing. And, and uh, in Tap Art Fitness, you had an opportunity to get that plus some martial arts and some boxing. The difference was, in the U.S., Tap Out Fitnesses are rolled out 
in what I will call coin a shoebox fashion, meaning 2,500 square feet, 4,000 square feet, maybe a couple of them are a little bit bigger. I, again, this is long before COVID-19, so I'm not saying I had a crystal ball, but I've always felt that in this game, if you're not doing it in a big box fashion, uh, and I know people say, well, you know, you have to have the money to do that. Absolutely, you have to have the money. And I did not have the money, let me be clear. I had the belief, I had the drive, and I made sure I made all the connections talked to so many venture capitalists, I can't, I can't even count how many meetings I have been to, how many no's I've, I've, I've gotten. I go to meetings thinking everything's gonna be great. All of a sudden they've changed their minds and I didn't know I said all kinds of things, but I knew what I wanted to do. And so when sitting down with Tampa Fitness uh, US uh, in, in getting the rights for Canada and the Caribbean, um, we just simply told them that, uh, you know, as we were sliding the check across the table, figuratively speaking, was that uh, we weren't gonna do it the uh, shoebox version. We just felt that that was not the right business model for Canada. We felt that the Canadian fitness consumer likes their big box wraparound glass, i.e. the success of Good Life. And so hence, um, we were not gonna follow that. Um, it was a bone of contention, <laughs> it still is figuratively speaking, but you know, we felt that you know, we could do the big box version by having the strength and cardio component, as well as the boxing and the martial arts. And what's really cool about the martial arts program, and even with the boxing, there was a kid's programming component to it. So, you know, I looked at it and I said, wait a minute, we can have a gym where husband and wife can come to the gym and work out or anywhere they want, whether she wants to do some boxing, he wants to do some strength training. And oh, by the way, you know, martial arts for the kids. Wow. And that's, it starts from age four and up. So you're now talking about a situation where traditionally what happens is the parents have to take their kids to a martial arts place, forsake their own fitness experience if they want to do it. And so hence, we here we had the ability to kill three birds with one stone. And I thought, wait a minute, nobody else is doing that. And so, you know, jumped at the opportunity, cost us a lot of money to do it. Our investment this far is tremendous. Looked at a bunch of different locations. Um, negotiated to purchase a couple of other locations. Those deals went, didn't go as well. And then came across an opportunity here and um, was the best thing ever. You know, sometimes a whole bunch of no's are gonna lead to a good yes, but you've gotta endure the no's and not give up. And back to the, you know, your question as to the pandemic. Look, our investment is for the next 10 to 15 to 20 years. It is not for the next 10 months. COVID-19 may last another year per se. We're good, you know. Uh, our investors understand this is a this is a long ball play, and so our objective is for 2021 get ready for 22. So our game plan is to to the best of our ability acquire uh, a couple of other locations that match the grade and presentation of this one, and be ready for 20 for 22, and in 22 do the same thing. And very, we, we, we're not looking to have, you know, initially we were looking at having maybe 40 clubs across the country, but we decided that we're going to go with quality over quantity. And so it may end up being half as many, maybe a quarter of the 40, maybe 10, 12, because we really want to hold a certain, hold the clubs to a certain standard. And we don't want to take on more than we can chew, bite off more than we can chew, so to speak. But we're not, you know, we're not concerned about COVID-19 at all. And, and, and you know, in speaking to some industry insiders, one said to me, you know, Barrymore, you're very, very fortunate. While everyone else in the game is licking their, their wounds from losses, you guys are looking to make gains. There's a difference. We're not, we haven't had enough business to say, oh my goodness, we took a hit. 
You know what I mean? So we're simply looking at how can we make gains and get ourselves ready for when this is behind us. We're not sitting there going, had we known it was only going to be six more months, we would have made move X or Y. So we decided to make to start to make our moves now as we're continuing to, to do and solidify ourselves accordingly so that when this thing is behind us, we have two, three, maybe four locations that are ready to welcome everyone back and we're offering something different with respect to throwing in some boxing and some martial arts. And you know, when I think of boxing and the combination combination of strength training, I, I think of Evander Holyfield, who you know. Evander Holyfield, people don't realize, had Mr. Olympia, Lee Haney, as his trainer for many years. And the combination of the strength training and the boxing is what caused Evander to look like he could go from the ring to the physique stage in the same day. Because that's how amazing he looked. Lee Haney, who, and I don't drop names for the sake of dropping names. If you check my phone, you'll see his name in it. He happens to be a friend of mine. And, and um, yeah, he worked with uh, Evander and did some amazing things. So if you can combine strength training and boxing, oh my goodness, the sky's the limit as to what you can do with the physique because the cardio burn that you get from hitting a bag, left, right, left, right, speed, you know, the speed bag, et cetera, is incredible. And so, I mean, come on, we all know when boxers are in shape, they are some of the best physiques you ever see, right? So we just felt that, you know what, here was an opportunity and coming from the Caribbean to have uh, the opportunity to open them in the Caribbean as well in the, in the very near future. We're looking forward to it. So we didn't allow for COVID-19 to determine what we were going to do. It exists. We respect it. We're not conspiracy theorists by any means. We know that people have died. We know that people have gotten sick. And, and our hearts go out to those people, you know. But from a business perspective, we saw a lot of opportunity. And um, we feel that a lot of the smaller guys, you know, it's, it's going to suffer. And even some of the bigger guys are suffering. But we just feel that we're poised to do some interesting things because we're not taking any losses now. We're only making gains. Now, in terms of now investing into the business and <laughs> running a gym, mm-hmm. and aside from the pandemic, just, yeah. just running a gym yeah, yeah, yeah. in general, what yeah. are the challenges? Because <laughs> I know you have to be oh, running in challenges oh, like, you know, marketing, oh, you know, location, well, facility, maintenance, well, all those different well, things. Again, let me give you some history. So yeah. there's, there's a gym called Fitness 365 that some people may be familiar with. And that gym was created by myself. I had two amazing business partners that believed in me. Uh, quick little story. I'm in the gym as a member from 1994 to 1999. I am sitting down. You know, I, I, I decided to do some personal training in there. Um, took over from a bunch of failed personal training practices that were in there. Went in in 1998. Went to the ownership and said, hey, look, let me do the personal training. In here. I can do a better job. Gave me the opportunity. And what I want to tell our people out there is this. When you are doing anything outside of the four walls of your house, conduct yourself as a professional. You never know who's watching you, and you never know what opportunities can come from them watching you, how you conduct yourself. I, I was blessed enough that uh, we were close to Woodbine Racetrack. A bunch of the executives of Woodbine Racetrack uh, were doing some things, and I'll get back to that in a second. But my point was there was an accountant that was at the gym who befriended me. Um, he was 25 years older than I am. I think he's now 80 years old at the time. And this is 20, 21 years, 21, 22, oh my goodness, 23, 20, 1999, so 22 years ago. And um, little did I know this man was watching me as I did my personal training business in the gym for a year. And um, we happened to be in a conversation. It was Christmas Eve of 1999. I said to him, if I bought this gym, these are the things that I would do. Unbeknownst to me, again, you know, I don't believe in the old, you know, 
I don't want to say nothing about what I want to do because I don't want to jinx it. I don't play that game. I tell the world what I want to do. And if it flops, it flops. And I keep, I move on to the next thing. And I said to this man, this is what I want to do. And he looked at me and he says, come to my office the day after Boxing Day. I said, you're going to be in your office? He says, yeah. I go to the office. Again, I'm going to say this straight up. I had no money. I wanted to buy a gym. I didn't have a dime. I know what I wanted to do. There's a saying. The person with the idea is more powerful than the person with the money. People have to think it's the other way around. It is the other way because you can go find that money elsewhere. The person that has the money who, who wants to think they got more power than you, they're going to miss out. So I go to his office and this, let me just be clear. This is not a man that looks like me. So he's not, he's not a black man. <laughs> okay, let me just be clear. So there's not a, a brother helping a brother out. He's an older Caucasian man. Um, Saw me busting my butt doing the personal training. Personal training for that year, you know, part-time, I did $65,000 cash. Think about that. 1998. 1988. No, 98. 98. 98. 98 to 99. That's a lot of money. I was, I was making $65,000 in my day job. <laughs> part-time, yeah. So... So what happened was he saw what I was doing, saw me conducting myself as a professional, which I strongly believe is what we should be always doing when we're out there trying to apply our trade because you never know who's watching. Walked into his office the day after Boxing Day. I will never forget this. He sat there, I think 15 minutes into the conversation. He says, Barrymore, go negotiate the deal. You have the money. We're talking about 1999. We're talking about all in probably close to $800,000 by the time we paid for the gym and the money we paid for equipment and renovations in the home. I was able to maintain a 33% stake and run the club. I had two partners who had 33 each. <laughs> That's how wow. Fitness 365 happened. And wow. this is the first time I'm, ta I'm talking about this publicly. So, yeah. Wow. So once we did that, now let me be clear. <laughs> the first 18 months, I worked 18 hours a day for 18 months, seven days a week. I think I made $36,000. But here's the deal. My lifestyle changed a bit. You know, sometimes we'd have to travel for certain things. Those things were taken care of, et cetera. But the point was it gave me a platform, right? Here I was, man of color, running one of the top gyms, in the city, at times considered one of the top in the country as far as bodybuilding and weight training was concerned. It was called Monster Gym. I hated the name. So as soon as I could, I changed the name to Fitness 365. I felt it had a better ring to it. It would attract, have more mass appeal. We had more female members than when we had it under Monster Gym. And that's how that started. So ran that gym for about eight years, eight, nine years. We had a, you know, it, like every relationship, it runs its course. Uh, I, I had aspirations to do other things, wanted to be bigger. They were good as how it was, which was fine, no big deal. And But it gave me a platform by which now when I, when I walk into any room and talk to venture capitalists and they say, have you run one of these before? <laughs> I got almost 10 years under my belt doing it. So that to them gave them confidence. Uh, and from that did some, uh, uh, 2013 I think it was, um, I had already, I developed a concept called the Longevity Club. I was looking to launch before Tapout came along. And one day I got a call for an opportunity, what I call an opportunity of a lifetime, interested in joining our group to do something in China. 
I didn't end up having to go to China, but the group that I was working with was the NBA. So I was asked to facilitate helping design the fitness component of, an, of a basketball center, almost like a glorified YMCA called the, an NBA center. And they had, a, they had a fitness component to it. They asked me to design and mock up the whole uh, fitness component of it. Uh, pull, I pulled together a team. We did it, <laughs> you know. It's stuff that I think about all the time. So truth be told, I mean, the check was big, the time was little because it wasn't anything I had to really think long and hard about. But it was a really cool experience to be on the phone with these guys from the NBA almost every day during the summer. I think it was the summer of 13. It was, it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. So again, something that we were able to put on our resume that gave people some, wait a minute, this guy's worked with the NBA as well. Um, someone else, I'm not going to say he's a friend, but he's a, an associate of mine that I can pick up the phone and call if I so chose, Sam Mitchell, former coach of the, of the Raptors. And again, I'm not bashing him. He, he's a good guy, but I'm not going to be here and say, oh, he's a good friend of mine. We know each other. If I call him, he'll know ex exactly who it is. Uh, great guy, funny as all get out. You know, we, we took a bit, couple of business trips together. Um, so my resume has just grown over, the, over time and I've met some incredible people, um, the, the, the longevity club situation, again, came out of, you know, a bunch of executives at Woodburn Race Chat coming to Fitness 365. Again, watching how I conduct myself. They were in the process of doing a major development at Woodbine Racetrack uh, that included condos and, and a mall and stuff like that. I think something like that is going on right now. But the first one that they were actually doing was back, I want to say 2006, 2007-ish was when it was going on the phase one of it or the first version thereof. And one of the top executives came to me one day and said, oh, Barry, have you seen what the mock-up is going to be for this thing at Woodbine? And I said, no. He says, well, it's up at the track. You should come up and see it. I'm like, okay. And why he wanted me to see it, little did I know, again, be careful how you conduct yourself because people are watching. Not, they may not come to you and tell you they're watching you, but they're watching. Unbeknownst to me, they were in negotiations with the developer, the mixed-use developer called the Cordish Group out of Baltimore, Maryland. And they were in, in the midst of negotiating this, this project. And they were in a meeting, and they asked them, are you guys looking to do a fitness component to this project? And they said yes. And the, the executives, unbeknownst to me, I'm not part of this conversation at all, don't even know what's going on, said, we know the guy that you guys should be doing business with. His name is Barrymore Richardson. They were members of my club. The closest conversation I had with half of them, a couple of them I trained, but the, the, the big guy of the group, I, he was either first or second in command, only conversation I had with him was, uh, hey, Jim, what are you doing today? He goes, uh, I'll have a small water. That was the extent of the conversation, and that led to the opportunity to um, get into launching a chain of clubs in the U.S. as well. It didn't happen, but again, because of how I conducted myself, the Woodbine executive team were quite confident in recommending me to this multi-billion dollar enterprise to do this with. And the only reason we didn't do the deal was we trade. They so liked us on the concept, they held on to the, the location for us for five years. Not five months, five years while we tried to raise the capital. We couldn't raise it. We lost a lot of money from people who claimed they could help us raise the capital. Cut us a check for this and we can raise you that. And I won't even get into the amount of money we lost, but nonetheless, they held on to that space for five years because they were so impressed with what we were going to bring to the table. So I, you know, if anyone takes anything away from it, forget the fitness thing for a moment is how you conduct yourself outside your four walls. You never know who's watching. 
And you never know what kind of opportunity comes out of you being a professional at what you're doing. Whether you're working at a, at a reception desk at a hotel, a dental clinic, because you never know who's who. People don't walk in with the I'm a billionaire badge on their chest so you know. They just walk in. So if you're consistently being a professional, you have no idea what kind of opportunities can come your way. Especially, and it's not just fitness, but it just yep. any, and that's right. any that's industry. Right. Listen, I, I share with as many people that will listen, especially our young brothers, be a professional. You know, people are watching. And you think they're not. You think you're just in your own bubble doing your thing. But the reality is that uh, people are watching. Be a professional. You have no idea. Like I said, this accountant watching me conduct my little business as a personal training practice in a gym was what led to me owning that gym. Okay. What led to me being introduced to this multi-billion dollar mixed use developer, one of the biggest in the world to getting into business with them in the U S didn't happen. But if I call them up today and said, listen, we're now in a position to be able to do business. They'll do business with me in a heartbeat. And, and because you built a, a great reputation. Yes, exactly. And what, that's what people need to understand. Yeah. Your reputation precedes you. Yeah. And like for you to even call them yep. even now, yeah. that no, that you can already <laughs> tell that that reputation, that whole bond is like, it's solid. As, as I look yeah. at my phone right now, let me finish off. There's a gentleman who's left me a message. I'm not going to read it right now. A failed real estate acquisition that we were trying to do a number of years ago, it fell through. This guy was the agent. As much as that transpired because of, again, how I conducted myself, and again, I want to say this, none of these people look like me. Let me be clear, okay? Called me up, actually two situations. One guy reached out to me about if I'm interested in picking up 15 clubs. We looked at it, but we declined. But the mere fact that he looked to me, even though for the longest time I was trying to get this job done and nothing was happening. Another gentleman with a failed real estate deal because, again, of how I've always tried to conduct myself, call me up about a location in Toronto. We're going to leave it kind of hush-hush for now. But it's a, it's a prime spot, downtown core of Toronto, um, that will do phenomenal under this badge. And the mere fact that he called me up, you know, to say, hey, look, I think you'd be great for this opportunity. Again, how you conduct yourself leaves an impression with people, whether it be positive or negative. You decide which way you want to do it. Because you don't know what kind of opportunity it could lead to down the road. And so here we are now in negotiations to probably do probably one of the most historical transactions in the fitness game in Canada, if not one of them in North America. Again, I can't disclose the situation right now. But the mere fact we're even in a conversation is all because of how I've attempted to conduct myself all these years. They remember you. Don't think they don't remember. They remember. Now it leads into my next question. Because yep. I know you talked about the big box mm -hmm. stuff, but why do most people who start a gym always do like a clinic style <laughs> or a salon style gym, or they do it in a warehouse mm -hmm. instead of a large box gym? What and and in this particular case, like because I know from working in the industry, yep. especially as us as black people, yep. we'll do the personal <laughs> training. We'll start as a personal trainer first. Yep. Right. We'll build up as much capital that we can on mm -hmm. our end, mm -hmm. and then we'll go and just do like a small mm -hmm. private gym. Mm -hmm. Why do we go that route versus like, okay, let's go all in and try to do something big? I mean, let me, let me just cut to the chase and be real with you. I, 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 I am proud of my brothers and sisters who go off and start their own businesses in their small studios in the whole night. 
it is extremely difficult to sustain because the chances are you're going to have 50, 150, maybe 200 clients. You need to have some kind of special sauce that makes those people want to stick around with you no matter what's going on. And that is extremely difficult to do. And the reality is the math. To a 25,000 square foot fitness facility, to build it in 2021 is going to cost you two and a half to three million dollars. So it is, listen, you know, people look at me and, you know, I'm always in shorts and casual and stuff. And, you know, this is not a brag by any stretch of the imagination. You had better be ready for a million no's. You had better be willing to be battered and bruised to survive that, to get to the point where when you're looking to open up a big box situation, you know where to go, how to set up the deal that you actually are. If you don't own it all, you own the majority stake of it so that it cannot be taken out from under you. But that is the reality. The reality is the math. I mean, to open up a small studio, you know, can run you uh, 100, you can do it 75, 100, 150, 200,000 bucks. Man, 200,000 bucks will be your expenses for the month running a, a big box. That's your expenses. So it is, it, it, it's a lot of money um, and uh, nobody realizes it, you know. That's why I don't bash the big boys because there's a lot of money that they put out to get to that point, you know. So when they're making their money, I'm not, I'm not hating on them at all. Um, because there's a lot of expenses. I mean, you know, you know, to, like I said, it's, it's two and a half to three million bucks for 25,000 square feet. So you've got a brand called Lifetime Fitness that's occupying anywhere from 100 to 150,000 square feet. So you know how much that costs to build. You know, to build a building nowadays is, you're talking anywhere of 200, 250 bucks a square foot and up. So you do the math on 150,000 square feet, 30, 40 million dollars. So while people want to bash them and say, you know, they're charging 150 grand, 150 bucks a month. <laughs> they need every ounce of the 150 bucks a month, and about 10,000 people, in order to make. And it'll take them a while to make that money back. It'll probably take them because you have to do the math. It's not how much money it generates; it's how much money it nets that goes towards paying for it. Because the expenses are different from the debt. <laughs> right? You got expenses of heat, hydro, payroll, all that kind of stuff. And then what's left now has to pay the debt on that bad boy, right? So you figure if it costs you $40 million to build something and it takes you three years to get it up to $20 million a year, <laughs> that means it's going to take you maybe five years after you get to that point to pay off what it costs. So you're talking about seven years, you know? So... To build a big box facility as an independent, and I don't have the right last name, and in many cases not the right complexion or the right connections, you're going to be running, even on the, even on the low side, it's 1.5, and that's a cheap version. If you want to do something else that's going to impress people when they walk in and they're like, ooh, awing about you, the way your uh, physical aesthetic presentation is, yeah, two and a half, three million dollars. You know? and, and it requires not your taste, not your version. You better go find, in our case, we have one of the top fitness club designers in the world that's on our team. And he operates out of Boston, but he's, he's phenomenal. 
So, you know, a guy like that is who you need to have to make sure he's going to know what's going to work. This is not going to be about your version of it, your perspective of it. He's going to tell you, here are the current trends. Here are the current colors. Here are the layouts. Here's what you have to do in your gym floor. Back in the day, they were having personal training in gyms where they were in off into separate rooms that had tinted glass. You can't really see what's going on now. They're putting personal training out in the middle of the floor so people can see what's going on and be inspired and probably motivated to hire the personal trainers themselves because they can see what's going on. So these, these are the kinds of things that he's going to educate you about so that you can have the best um, probability for success. So it is not a, uh, it is no joke. And, and raising capital for stuff like this, <laughs> are there sleepless nights? 100%. You know, um, do you have to go through a lot of stuff? Oh my gosh. Well, what you got to do is this. You got to believe. You got to believe. When you sit in front of these people, they got to know that they can't knock you down no matter what they come at you with. Because they want to see that you can handle the turbulence because they know. Even when you launch and things seem to be going okay, there's going to be some turbulence. They got to know that you can handle that. And so sometimes the no might not be, might just be no for now, not no forever. So don't ever make it seem like, you know, he or she is an idiot or whatever the case may be. I mean, I had a situation um, where uh, one gentleman, he's running a phenomenal uh, facility up in up in Barrie right now. And, and we started out, on, on our journey is the same as far as, let me just be clear. My journey is 12 years old. Not two years, not four years, 12 years. So uh, four years ago when we started this thing with Tap Out, I met this guy and he had, a, he had an investor. We were thinking about collaborating because we, we, we had the world-renowned brand. He had the, the investor with the money. We ended up having a meeting and... Um, the investor decided he was going to go with this guy because this guy was his personal trainer. They had known each other, a special relationship. I'm the new kid on the block. Uh, he called me and said, Barrymore, we're going to take it in another direction. This guy had the capacity to put together $3 million, $4 million for the venture if need be. So, but I didn't take it personal. I wish these guys the best. Uh, and coincidentally, their launch time and ours is almost identical, <laughs> right? And we've kept in contact over the years. Um, he's been in the media lately. Um, I can call him up and say, hey, what's up? It's, it's a great relationship. So there's no, there's no hate. There's no nothing. I mean, his guy wanted to go that way. What was I going to say? You know, uh, We have a brand that we feel uh, we know is a globally recognized brand. We know that um, we're going to grow. We know that our approach is a little different from everyone else's. But if you're not prepared for the no's, you're not ready for yes. You're not ready. Because yes is going to be a long way down the road around the corner, like it took me 12 years, two people were laughing at me for 12 years, I'm like, man, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, everyone laughed, I, I, friends, family, everybody, right? But you can't let that get to you. If you know what you believe is your destiny, um, you keep on pushing, you know, you may have to take odd jobs here and there, hell, I was, man, I could tell you stories, I was driving a limo, I, I, I was, you know, doing all kinds of odd jobs along the way, you know, doing a little personal training as well, just to keep things afloat while we would be on our pathway, detailing cars, lived in a hotel, been homeless. I mean, I can go through the, you know, the whole, one of my favorite movies is The Pursuit of Happiness because I, I said, you know, jokingly, I said, my God, somebody discovered my life story and put it on film, <laughs> you know, because I relate to that so much. But you've got to believe in what you're doing. Uh, you're going to have more people telling you no than yes. And then at some point, it's going to click. And uh, 
and here we are today, and we believe that our brand is about to do some interesting things in the next in their future. And uh, as a man of color in the fitness game, in the big box aspect of the fitness game, uh, we think there's a tremendous opportunity, and, and we want support from all fitness enthusiasts. We don't want our people alone to come. We want everybody who's interested in fitness, uh, really enjoys a boxing experience, a martial arts experience, and wants to come and see something that's done a little different. And we are big on service. You know, we are not the type of facility that, uh, we, we don't have clicks. We are one big click. Everybody comes in here as part of our click. You know, we nickname ourselves, as you see the shirt says, we call ourselves the Misfits because everyone on our staff is part of a group of people who have been told you can't, you won't, and then here you are, right? And so um, nah, it, it, it's been a journey and a half. I wouldn't have it any other way because it has prepared me. There's nothing you can throw at me now in this game that's going to throw me off. Because after 12 years, bring it. You even answered the next question already because I was going to say, what are the pros and cons? You already went with the story. You already listed in there because I'm looking at certain things with the expenses that yep. could be cons or certain things with branding. And you also touched back on question number two as well. And you talked about like the benefits, like the pros of it, like, you know, seeing yep. everything come into fruition. Oh, the cons are, the cons yeah. are simply put, the cons are be prepared to lose. I mean, mm -hmm. You know, there's a saying, I'm big on motivational speaking and motivational speakers and constantly watching motivational videos. And they tell you, to be successful, you have to fail. You have to fail your way to success. Nobody hits it out of the park the first time. You know, Reggie Jackson, uh, Babe Ruth, let's use Babe Ruth as an example. You know, mm -hmm. most home runs, most strikeouts. You know, it, 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 you know Reggie Jackson as well, strikeouts. I mean, if you're not willing to take a swing, you can't hit it. And when you take that swing and you miss, get ready to hit and swing and miss again. You know, we, we, we live in a society that, that, that um, dismisses failure as this thing that you should just give up. You're a loser. You know, you, you know how long are you going to do this before you give up and move on to something else? With me, I was traveling the world going to fitness conferences, running into my Canadian associates, and they'd be like, Barryman, what are you up to? I'm looking to launch a chain of clubs. Two years later, I run into them in LA or wherever. Barryman, what are you up to? Looking to launch a chain of clubs. And they're looking, I, I, there were times when I could see them looking at me kind of sideways like, man, that's what he said two years ago. That's what he said three years ago. That's what he said five years ago. At least I was consistent. I, I was never, they saw me, and, and all of a sudden I was doing something else. I was always doing the same thing. And... Um, and you just got to believe. And I, I felt that we were onto something special with Tap Out because of the multifaceted offering. And we just needed to find the right spot. So we had looked at a lot of different locations and finally found one. Now we're looking at it. If we land the second one, that will not be mentioned and maybe we'll, we'll break it out on the show. Um, if we land that one, <laughs> Don't say if, it, say when, say no, when. No, let, me, let me be clear. I'm, I don't believe in the if. But it still requires some heavy negotiation. Yes. We are the front runners for it, that I can tell you. Definitely. We, we know all of the nuances as, as to how to make this a successful transaction. We are currently waiting for a vote to, to say green light. If the vote goes accordingly, we, we'll take it, we, we get the space. There's no if, ands, or buts. The only if is that the vote goes in our favor. And we may have to do a Barrymore presentation to the group in order to get that over the finish line, yeah. and, and we'll do it, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's a space that uh, people in the fitness industry know about. It is by far one of the best looking clubs I've ever seen, as is this one. 
and uh, comparing us to the top out of the U.S., 2,500 square feet, 4,000 square feet, we're 25,000 going possibly for another 40. Uh, collectively, our two will, will have more square footage than all of them put together in the U.S. Wow. And at that point, who knows what could happen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and it now leads into my last question. Yep. What advice would you give to someone who's looking to build their establishment on their own? My advice would be, first and foremost, so I'll go back to when I started doing my own training, my own personal training. And I put together a team of trainers that I selected, handpicked, and was, was big in telling them all about service, taking care of our clients. Don't injure your clients. And that's, you know, someone said, well, it, it can happen by accident. No, if you're really cautious with your clients, chances of injuring them is, is unlikely. If you're on your cell phone while you're training the client, that's a problem, right? That client has got to be, have your, ult, you know, your undivided attention for the 45 minutes to an hour that you're with them. I say start off strong as a professional doing your thing, right? And again, because you never know who's watching, you never know who your client is. You know, you could have a client who's a billionaire, but you don't know it, right? So don't pick and choose who you're going to pay attention to. Pay, give them all the same respect, same attention, and Event, you know, the business will grow. The other thing is understand business. Pick up as many business development books, self-development videos as you can. Because as you grow as an individual, the stronger you grow as an individual, what's going to happen is when you get put into positions asking you questions, I know your business, know your business. Don't just know, okay, if you buy 10 sessions from me at 70 bucks, it's 700 bucks. No, 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 no. I want you to know, what would it cost to build a 20,000, 25,000 square foot space? Know it from top to bottom. Be ready because you never know when the opportunity is going to come upon you. And nothing bothers me more than when I hear entrepreneurs say, man, I wasn't quite ready for that. What do you mean? An entrepreneur needs to be ready because opportunity doesn't give you notice that it's coming. It just pops up. And if you're not ready for it, someone else is going to take that opportunity. So if, you th if you're thinking of becoming a big box operator, well, understand what it takes to get there. Like it's, it's, you know, you're talking about rents that could be $40,000, dollars $80,000 a month for rent. Then you have payroll that could be $40,000, $50,000. Then you have hydro that could be five dollars $8,000. Then you have the equipment that you lease could be fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month. You're talking about two hundred thousand dollars a month, just in what you owe. <laughs> so then you factor in, okay, what am I going to charge per month per person? And one of the conversations that I had with Tap Out Fitness in the U.S. They're going to kill me for this, but <laughs> was this? We were sitting down in New York. You know, we were, we were all hanging out, a bunch of franchisees and myself. And and I said, uh, what's the price point you guys going to want to charge monthly for the membership? They said $29 a month. I said, tell you what. <laughs> and they said, I said, why so low? And they said, well, there's this company called Planet Fitness that's come out. And I said, you know, with all due respect, 
you guys can charge $29 a month in the U.S. I'm charging $80, $90, and up a month in Canada. Because the way I saw was, you're getting three memberships in one between strength training, boxing, and martial arts. Also, how am I going to pay the bills if I'm only charging $29 a month? I'm not even looking at the $10 flavor of the month that, you know, there's only room in the market, in the game for one. He already exists. Anyone else who tries to Im- imitate that is going to be, is going to sink like a drop, sink like a stone. Um, so the reality is that to run these businesses, to really run them, never mind make a profit, to run them, to run a big box operation that has, you know, two or 3,000 members, your expenses are going to be well north of a couple hundred thousand dollars a month maybe two to 50, maybe $300,000 a month. So you can't charge what GL will charge. You can't charge what LA will charge. You've got to be realistic and show the value in what you are propositioning the consumer. And they'll determine if that's what they want. Because not everybody wants to go to a gym that has tons and tons of people that are piling into the club. There is something about being able to walk into your club no, you only have about 2,500 members that every day you go to the gym, you're good. You're not like, oh my gosh, this place is so packed, I can't even get my workout on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? The expenses are up there. So you start with the expenses and you say, okay, if I have 2,000 members, divide that by 2,000 then you realize what your nut's gonna be per month. My advice, charge bi-weekly. You charge bi-weekly, you end up collecting a couple extra payments a year, right? That, to the bottom line, that goes tremendous. Right, that's why Good Life charges biweekly. You know, that's not because they know you get paid every two weeks. They know if they charge every two weeks instead of getting uh, twenty-four payments, they get twenty-six. Right, that makes a huge difference. So the economics of this game are tremendous. Um, you got to believe in yourself. You're gonna have friend, lover, family tell you you're an idiot. You're audacious. Who do you think you are? Our people don't make it like that. We only can do the small ones. That's a load of crap, you know? And when you walk into a room and you're dealing with venture capitalists, they want to know that you are, pardon the pun, bulletproof to the, to, to the, to the nuances of this situation because they're, they're going to be the first ones to try and poke holes through you. I have been blessed enough to have a great team that... Uh, when we put our business plan together, it costs us a lot of money to put it together. But when we put it together and we've had it float around globally and we've had rave reviews about our business plan from people saying from all over the world who have looked at it, just because they didn't say yes doesn't mean it was bad. They just, it wasn't their cup of tea. Tell us, one of the best business plans I've ever seen. Our business plan is over 100 pages that covers from soup to nuts what this thing is going to be about. You know, you can't be putting together, you can't be looking to, you know, have a multi-multi-million dollar company and have a business plan that's 20 pages. You know, they're not going to take you seriously. You know, and if you want to be taken seriously, you've got to go get top-notch people. Yes, it will cost you, but it's the cost of doing business to pay them to drop their expertise into your business plan so that when you go, when this business plan gets to either Singapore, London, Wall Street, Bay Street, it speaks the universal language of a company knowing what they're doing and understands the nuances of businesses of business, 
understands how to make money that will put them in a position to pay the debt. If you can be lucky enough to convince some of these people to become equity players, which means there's no debt, but they own a piece of the business, not a controlling interest, but they own enough piece of the business that on a yearly basis or on a quarterly basis when the business is really kicking, they are getting back X and Y. And then in, in the agreement could be set up that, okay, so company has cut you a check for, I don't know, five million bucks, they assume a 25% stake in your business. And if you wanted to get rid of them, there's a set number for the 25%. It could be the same five mil. It could be seven million bucks. You then as an entrepreneur say to yourself, okay, I want to get rid of them eventually five years down the road. So what you do, either you find a replacement or you figure out a formula within the confines of your business if it's running well to generate enough capital to put you in a position to say, okay, look, I'm going to buy you guys out now. We know the figure is X. Here's a million bucks. And over the next five years, we pay you out with interest or whatever the case may be, right? But you got to believe, you got to make that investment. And you got to, the first investment you got to make is in yourself because they're going to, like I said, man, they're going to come at you heavy and hard. They, they, it's not that they want to see that you fail, but they want to make sure you're ready because if they cut you a check, they're cutting you a check based on you being successful. And if you can convince them that you are the right person for the gig, they cut you the check, go get the job done. You know, they expect turbulence. They expect you to have lean years. They expect you to have years where you don't make any money. They're not expecting you to hit it out of the park from day one, but they're expecting you to be prepared to handle the turbulence that's guaranteed to come your way. Venture capitalists that I deal with do not look like me. Tons of, they don't look like me. And you've got to just set that aside and realize, look, they recognize one color, green. You show them that you can be responsible for them to make a lot of green, black goes out the window, <laughs> you know. And, uh, and sometimes you may come across some that don't want to have business, do business with you because you're black. Who cares? You move on, you know. But you, you got to believe in yourself. You got to invest in yourself. <laughs> what you just heard, like I always say in every podcast, I said like the guest is always going to drop golden nuggets. You just brought them the gold mine. <laughs> you brought them. Thank you so much, Barry Moore, hey, for no, coming No problem, in. no problem. Thank you man. so much for coming in and, and, you know, just talking about fitness and the fitness business because a lot of us have to know. Yeah. If you're either just want to get into the business or you want to just get fit yourself yeah. so how can people contact you like what's, what's the best <laughs> way to, to contact uh just check out tap of fitness Woodbridge, you know um and uh we're, we're out there you can find us you can call us uh check us out nig tap of fitness Woodbridge, and uh i've got a great team you don't even need to you don't even need to reach me so that's barrymore <laughs> and that's tap of fitness but what about me <laughs> It's my time to do, uh, do my shout out. So if you're listening to this podcast for the very first time, it's spelled U-N-P-L-G-D, Unplugged. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google. And I know for those who are in the Caribbean that can't get Spotify and sometimes you can't get Apple Music, you can find me on Google or any other podcast platform that's out there. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about myself outside of this space, like on YouTube, where I talk about fashion, the all black lifestyle, beards, all the whole the whole nine yard, even the show and tell stuff of the stuff that I make. 
you can go on After Dark, A-F-T-R-D-R-K. You can find me there on YouTube, watch all my content that's there. I upload every Thursday. But if you wanna know a little bit more about myself in, in on Instagram, follow me on Instagram, D.A-F-T-R-D-R-K. That's where everything is behind the scenes, like the podcast stuff, YouTube stuff, or anything that just happens in my life in general that I just want to share with the world. Follow me there. So thank you so much for listening. My name is D'Angelo Valentine. Thanks for listening to Unplugged. I'm signing off. Peace.